Hello, this is Pastor Luke, and you are listening to the Living Hope Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Our mission is to grow disciples and multiply churches who will glorify God and transform communities. For more information about our church, please visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com. Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day to gather and worship. Lord, we thank you for your word and for its truth. Lord, as we unpack it this morning, Lord, that it would be your voice that we would be listening to uh, and that you would speak clearly to us. We forbid you, enemy of God, from interfering with this morning or this message in any way in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we we invite you here to, to lead us and guide us. We want to worship you and honor you throughout all this. In your name, amen. Uh, so as Mennonite brethren, there's a few areas where we're like really strong and we're really good. Uh, we have a fantastic um, history, theology, unpacking around peace, uh, peace tradition. Um, we can talk to you on the verses and the theology and really go at a deep level with it, not just kind of surface stuff. So we are really good at that. Um, we're really good too, I think, at um, almost like pietism, like just sort of like just a, a humble lifestyle, um, you know, not seeking a lot of glory for ourselves, um, you know, striving for personal holiness, that kind of thing. Uh, I think we have a good culture around work ethic, um, great work ethic. We value education. Uh, that's something that, that has been important to us. Strong belief that the Bible is true and all the Bible is true, and we need to, to study that and learn that. Um, great history and emphasis on international missions, overseas missions, sending out missionaries. Um, strong belief as Jesus is the only way of salvation. Um, that's harder for some people, some cultures, um, but we're very strong on that. Strong culture of family, uh, and often a strong music culture as well, too, which I love, and you guys got to uh, experience this morning just a rich heritage um, around music. There's also some areas where we're not very strong, uh, where we're just not good at, uh, we don't know it very well, that kind of thing. Um, Charismatic stuff, or like what you might describe as like sign gifts, um, so like speaking in tongues or miracles or uh, prophecy or that kind of thing. Uh, We don't do it, we don't talk about it, we like not very good at it. Um, evangelism, like one-on-one evangelism, that can be hit or miss depending on the church. Uh, not strong in spiritual warfare. Um, North American churches in general don't have a strong theology of poverty. Uh, we tend to have a strong theology of stewardship, right? Which is, what do I do with my extra money? But we're not real good at, like, what do you do if you don't have enough money? Um, so that's something where, where we can learn from others. Uh, Young people, especially in North America, tend to have a weak theology of suffering. Um, They just, something bad happens. It's like, oh, God hates me, and he's not good anymore. It's like, chill out, okay? Just, you'll get through this. Um, uh, Contemplative practices, not real strong. And then, okay, depending on what term you want to use, if you want to say social justice, biblical justice, that kind of thing, sort of hit or miss depending on on the individual congregations. Um. So here we like to preach exegetically, right? So we take a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible and we just work through it kind of beginning to end, kind of section by section or story by story, that kind of thing. Now, 
the strong part of that is that it kind of gives you a well-balanced diet in that you can talk about the things you like to talk about, but then it also forces you to talk about the things that you don't want to talk about and that kind of thing, right? It, it forces just kind of a well-balanced diet. The hard point is that it forces you to talk about the things you wouldn't normally talk about. And so today, in our exegetical preaching style, as we're working through the book of the Luke, we're on the demonic. Not our thing, normally. Um, if you're new here or a visitor, this is not normally our thing. Um, please don't assume that this is a normal uh, weekend Sunday. Um, but, as we're working through the life of Jesus, as recorded by the book of Luke, this is kind of where we're at, and so we kind of got to go after it. So, that's what we're going to go after today. Um, and the thing is, like, it's not even just the demonic. It's a guy who has, like, a full-on manifestation in the middle of a church service. Also not our normal comfort zone. So, that's us today. Uh, if you have a Bible or a Bible app, um, I would invite you to turn uh, to Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 31. Uh, I'm reading out of the ESV uh, translation. And uh, let me read this to you. Let me uh, read this with you. And then we're going to unpack this a little bit. Uh, all right, Luke 4, verse 31. Uh, this is in the early days of Jesus' ministry. Um, he was just in his hometown, um, said some things that were controversial. Uh, they kicked him out of the synagogue. They got really mad at him. Uh, he was in Nazareth, and so now he travels to a different town. Verse 31, he went to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. Now, authority is going to be a key word throughout this, so just kind of keep your ears tuned for the word authority. Uh, and in the synagogue, there was a man, synagogue was like their version of local church, uh, in the synagogue, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, uh, having done him no harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word for with authority and power, right, two key words again, with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Um, since this tends to not be a familiar topic, and it is kind of interesting, because I'm not exactly sure where a lot of you are individually. I mean, I have a guess. Uh, but let me just kind of cover some of the basics, kind of some of the found foundations on this. Um, Satan is a, that's a singular guy, okay? Um, he is not equal to God. Um, it appears that at one time he was an angel serving God. Something happened. He rebelled. He becomes an enemy of God. Um, several other angels also rebelled, uh, and we just kind of generically refer to them as demons, right? And even that word feels really weird to say, but we're just trying to stick with biblical terminology here, okay? Um, so in the spiritual realm, there are angels and demons. Um, we don't know how prevalent, because we can't see them, I can't see them. Um, my theory, though, is actually that we walk amongst them and interact with them far more than we realize. 
Uh, I remember one girl um, saying, she goes, I hope when I get to heaven I can watch like a video recording of my life and see all the spiritual warfare that was going on in the background. She thought that would be really interesting. Uh, It might be, actually. Um, Based on clues in scriptures, um, it appears that there are like levels or ranks or hierarchies or levels of power or ability in the angelic world. So there's, you know, small, big, weak, powerful, kind of a whole slew of ranking. Um, And it appears that there is everything from uh, almost like a, the, the personal demonic, which we see in this story, to even what some have um, termed like territorial demons uh, or terito- and angels as well, too, that have influence over a region, city, state, country. We pull those ideas out of Daniel 10. We're not, I mean, uh, this could be like a three-week sermon series. All righty, so that could be out of Daniel 10 and Ephesians 6, and we could unpack some of the clues that, that we, we see there. Um, in our personal life, right, there's kind of a whole spectrum on how much influence they may have in our personal life. It may be a little, it may be a, may be a lot. Um, some people, knowingly, unknowingly, um, have surrendered large parts of their life to, to Satan. Like they have surrendered a lot of control over their personal life to the enemy, right? And much like we strive to surrender control of our life to Jesus, they have um, either intentionally or been tricked into surrendering large parts of their life to um, the enemy or to Satan or to demons. The enemy feels nicer to say. It always just feels a bit weird to say Satan and demons. Anyways, um, and so sometimes people will use terms like demon-possessed, demonized to describe such a person. Um, Sometimes it's helpful, sometimes not. We, we do see, though, um, in this story where, to a certain extent, the person did not have control and that they were sitting there, and then it says suddenly the demon spoke out in a loud voice, right? So there was, there was this moment of time or there was suddenly this space where the demon had been given enough authority in this person's life that he took over and said something out loud in the middle of a church service. We see a similar thing happen in Mark 5 where Jesus and the disciples, they go over in a boat and there's a, a demon-possessed man on the shores. And that's like three awesome sermons in and of itself. Um, but we see kind of a similar thing um, happen there as well too. But then you have the story of Peter. Right? So um, in Matthew 16, Peter gets an idea and he shares it with Jesus, and then Jesus turns around and speaks to Peter, or in Peter's direction, get behind me, Satan. Right? Was Peter Satan? No. Was Peter demon-possessed? No. Probably what we have happening is that Satan had planted an idea in Peter's mind. And Peter, without a lot of thought or evaluation or comparing against against Scripture, he just speaks it out. He accepted the idea. He thought, that's a good idea. He speaks it out. He vocalizes it. And then Jesus, in a way, basically says, that idea is from Satan. We're not doing that. Right? This is Peter. Right? Like one of of the disciples. So it appears that, that that had happened. And can that happen to others? Absolutely Yes, that's, that's a thing. Um, being a Christian doesn't mean that you're spiritually deaf, right? Like you're still tuned into the, the spiritual realm, right? And some people are hypersensitive to it, and some are not. And a lot we can unpack there too. Ugh, sermons like this. No, not enough time. Um, 
one of the things to realize, to accept, is that Satan and his kingdom... So Satan is just kind of the head honcho. Um, it appears that he's the highest-ranking one, and then there's a whole bunch of them. His kingdom, right, all that. Um, prevalent, aggressive, cruel, ruthless, intentional, targeted, malicious. Uh, one gentleman, pastor, uh, now he's a full-time counselor... Um, and in his ministry works a lot with people who um, have had some kind of demonic influence in their life, and he works with them, seeing them um, set free from that, and just has an amazing ministry, um, has been in courtrooms testifying on this. Uh, apparently, he had a client, a gal, who had been in the, um, I don't know, a, some kind of occultic practice, or, or some had been in, in some satanic stuff, um, her job, her assignment, right, her very intentional given assignment was to get involved in a church, um, seduce the pastor, have an affair with the pastor, and then ruin the pastor's ministry, his marriage, and wreck the church. She had been successful in doing this like six or seven times. Very targeted, very intentional, very specific, right? That story should horrify you but it should not surprise you. It should not surprise you. Right? This is what we're dealing with. That story should horrify you. But it should not surprise you. Um, high school Bible teacher, um, one of my high school Bible teachers, great guy, good teacher. He'd been a pastor in Wyoming where he was at lots of Mormons in the area. Um, his son said at first they were really nice and then they found out they couldn't convert us and then they got really mean. Uh, and even like the police chief tried to kick him out of town or something like that. Um, one of his elders, a medical doctor, you know, a great guy in the church. Um, and then there was a gal in the community and her testimony, and I think she actually shared this testimony in court. Um, but she was at her, at her Mormon church. She was levitating and her hand wrote, get doc. And so she got together with some other gals, and they fabricated some stories of sexual assault. And then they got this man arrested, and he's in prison. And then they even actually made it onto Oprah, and someone wrote a book about it. Right? Should horrify you, but this should not surprise you. Um, there was uh, one of my colleagues had, had worked with a gal, kind of seen her uh, set free from stuff. She got, she got into this stuff um, pretty bad. Uh, when she was um, young, uh, there was kind of a lady, uh, a mom lady, like on the, on the block, and um, it was, you know, some little game, like, hey, if you want to welcome in the spirit of whatever, then say this, and hop in the circle, and whatnot. And that's how the first kind of demonic entity was given some access into her life. And then as she progressed in life, um, she increasingly gave more and more control or, or access uh, to other uh, demonic entities, and so it was, it was quite a deal seeing her, her set free. And in high school, um, there was a group or gang or occultic group or whatnot, uh, and she was head honcho. And if you tried to leave, uh, level one is that they'd, they'd break into your house. This is for high schoolers. They'd break into your house, and they would trash your room. And like a level 10 was that they'd try to break your legs. And when she actually left and was set free, there were actually a couple people that tried to kidnap her outside her, her house um, after that. There was, here's another one. What do you do with this, right? Um, some MB missionaries, uh, they're overseas. 
and and they're doing some ministry and this kid they're they're talking with this kid and uh or young adult i I don't remember or youth um and his testimony was that he worked with a a local witch doctor or shaman guy and that people would pay the witch doctor money and then at nighttime he would astral project or he would leave his body and he would kill that person it was kind of like a murder for hire type thing and he said he goes i've actually tried to kill the pastor of this church several times but i've never been able to get close to him because there's a hedge of fire around him i can't access him sometimes we'll use the phrase hedge of protection that actually comes out of job uh, chapter 1 verse 10 satan is talking to god and he's satan is basically complaining being like, complaining he says i can't get to him he goes have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side so that's where our phrase hedge of protection so what do you do with that story luke 4 synagogue middle of a church service right this guy i i don't know if he was first time attender or regular attender or what but you have this guy demon to a certain extent takes control and yells out in the middle of jesus's teaching what have you to do with us jesus of nazareth have you come to destroy us i know who you are the holy one of god but jesus rebuked him saying be silent and come out of him and when the demon had thrown him down in their midst uh, he came out of him having done him um, no harm For some people, this is the point where we really wrestle with. Do we believe our life experiences or do we believe Scripture? Because as, you know, good, hard-working Midwest people, we don't have a lot of experiences like this. Now, I can take you to places in the world where this is common, right? Where people have these kinds of experiences. It's a thing. Um, like one guy was, uh, I was going through one of my books and and he was trying to explain the spiritual world and the guy goes oh you mean the three demons i drew a picture of them here they are right like it's just like kind of the the manifestations are are a lot more common here in the midwest so it's not right so we're forced to look at this and go how do i balance my life experience versus what scripture says um i'm gonna speculate okay maybe true maybe not I'm going to speculate that for most of us, majority of us, that kind of thing, that we would agree with this idea. Does the demonic exist? Yes. But if, if, if I were to press you on like, well, where does it happen? Most of us would be like, well, you know, over there in like some third world country, far, far away, maybe some parts of a bad big city, but not around here. That, that would be the belief. Around here, it's not really a thing. My, my suspicion is that most of us accept the idea, but that we deny that, that it would happen anywhere near or close to here. Here's another suspicion. Again, just my theory. Um, that is that those who, like, brush up against this the most or see the fruit of this or are most inclined to see some kind of manifestation or or see the effects of this and they probably don't even realize what exactly they're witnessing but but people who are most likely to to encounter this in some way in in our area our part of the world um police officers 
Um, Childcare workers, like anyone who is having to pull a child out of a bad home or a dangerous environment. Um, medical staff who work a lot with the dying, particularly unbelievers. They could probably tell you some crazy stories. Um, anyone who works in prison, anyone who works in drug rehab or alcohol rehab. Um, also, anyone particularly gifted in evangelism or perhaps even like has the skill set or, or in a, um, a gifting around deliverance ministry. Scripture is full. Like, like if you open your eyes to it and look for it, Scripture is full of stories and teaching on spiritual realm and on the demonic. James 2, Matthew 12, 2 Peter 2, James 4, 1 Peter 5, Matthew 10, Luke 8, Mark 9, Jude 1, 1 Timothy 4, Mark 3, Matthew 12, Ephesians 6, Matthew 8, 1 Corinthians 10, Acts 19. That is a handful of New Testament only. We're not even getting into the Old Testament yet. I can give you lots and lots of passages, scriptures, references to, to this stuff in, in scripture. Um, a couple of just kind of quick facts, because um, there's just perhaps a lot of speculation on this or, or not understanding. And then, of course, movies ruin everything and give all kinds of uh, mixed messages. Okay. The demonic cannot just, like, jump around from person to person and just take over, you know, and, like, jump from this person to what, I don't know. I think it was Denzel Washington had a movie like that, right? No theological accuracy whatsoever in that movie, okay? Um, so you can't just jump around. You, you have to do something or say something to give them permission or in, to have increased influence or access to your life, right? Like, almost approach is like a legal thing. Like, have I in some way surrendered access or control, right, to the enemy in some way where, where they now have an increased measure of, of influence in my life, okay? They cannot read your mind because they're not all powerful. That's God's thing, okay? They're not. They're just a created being, okay? Um, however, it appears that they can put thoughts or ideas into your mind right? The story of Peter that we just talked about. Uh, like I said, it appears that there are rankings like, you know, personal demons, territory, t territorial demons, that kind of thing. Also, it appears that a community or a group of people or a city, um, by their collective sin, gambling, alcoholism, prostitution, whatever, can knowingly, unknowingly invite Satan to have increased influence or control in their community because of that particular sin. Now, what that means, though, is that if you're doing ministry, let's say that there's a community that really struggles with um, gambling, right? And you may have some people that are like, oh, there's a strong spirit of gambling in this community, and that may be. Your, your ministry approach, though, is not, well, we need to kick out the spirit of gambling— your approach, though, is to walk the individuals through repentance. And when the individuals repent of that sin, then at kind of the territorial level, they, they lose that influence, right? The, a lot of this just comes back to working with the person, working with the individual, helping them understand the gospel, repenting of sin, turning to Jesus. Like, that's, that, that's where all of this goes. Um, I googled how many religions in the world, okay? According to Google, we've got eh, 4,000, 4,200 different religions in the world. Now, that also includes different denominations, right? So they would say that in Henderson, we've got 
three, four, five, whatever, or that kind of thing, right? So according to Google, we're at like 4,000 plus different uh, religion slash denominations. In the spiritual realm, how many teams are there? Google says 4,200 plus. Scripture says two. Two teams. God's team, everyone else. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, two teams. Uh, Moroni is the angel that lives in Salt Lake City and inspired the Mormon religion. Okay, what team is he on? Um, ultimately a denial of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, Jibril is the archangel that revealed the Quran to Muhammad, uh, creation of Islam, ultimately denies Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Which team? If you worship Jesus, you're on one team. Okay, everyone else, other team, right? This is a world we live in, okay? You can be horrified, but don't be shocked and don't be surprised. This is our reality, okay? Satan is real. He is cruel, he is mean, he is vicious, beyond what you can conjure up. Some of you have a pretty good imagination, I know, but it's even beyond that, right? We can give him increased influence in our life if you allow it. The other thing, too, I would throw out there, Paul in his letter to Christians. Paul is writing to Christians in, uh, in, in the letter of uh, Ephesians. Um, he's writing to Christians in Ephesus, and he warns them, don't give Satan a foothold in your life. I am very thankful for the teaching, the training that I've received around spiritual authority and prayer counseling, and it's given me a, a small glimpse of, of the demonic and how it works and, and have interacted with people who know a lot and study a lot and, um, and are just amazing at this. There is a lot that I don't know, um, but it has made me more aware. Um, given all of that, you know, with, when it comes to demonic and all that kind of thing, am I scared or nervous? No. No. Are you kidding me? Have you seen the God we serve? Why? Like, you should be aware, but scared? You're, you're, you're misunderstanding the power dynamics if your response to this is fear, right? Like, maybe caution, right? Like, I mean, are there certain times where I'm cautious? Yes. Are there certain environments that require more preparation or intentionality? Yes. Am I scared? No. Why? why no. There was, um, there's a story of one guy, he, he was a presenter, he was teaching on this, um, and someone asked a question, and somehow in the question, I think the guy implied or, or hinted as, as like Satan and Jesus, you know, almost being equal or, or that kind of thing, and, and the guy got kind of annoyed, um, and there was a chalkboard, a big chalkboard, some of you will know what I'm talking about, young people, you can Google chalkboard, kind of predates the marker board, and so he had this big chalkboard, and he, he took a piece of chalk, and he, you know how you like, you used to hold chalk on the side and you would like fill it in? He fills in the entire chalkboard with chalk, right? Took a bit of time, burned through several pieces of chalk. He, bur he fills in the entire chalkboard with chalk. He says, this is God. And then he took a piece of red chalk and he put this wee tiny little mark on the chalkboard. And then he made everyone get up in the audience and they all had to file past him. And he was like, you see the red mark? Yeah, that's Satan. Next. 
You see the red mark? That's, and he made everyone do that. Scripture never has God fighting against Satan. Especially the book of Revelation. God just sends an angel to do it. Like, he does, like it's, it's so beneath him, right? Like when Satan is in prison, he sends arch. I mean, it's kind of like he just has the butler do it, right? Like, go put him in prison. That's not even worth my time. In Luke 4, Jesus returned from the desert and fasting and temptation and that whole experience. And he returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, verse 31, he went, to, uh, he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. In Luke 4, in this section, we see where Jesus has authority over, over the demonic. Right after that is a story where Jesus heals Simon's mother. Um, he rebukes the, f- the fever, same terminology, and so Jesus has authority over sickness. Then after that, in verse 40, it talks about all the people from the local area came to him, and he healed all of them, and he, and he kicked demons out of many of them, and so Jesus has authority over all of that. And then going back to verse 36, they were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? For with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. The thing that has, like, think about this guy, right, who, who showed up in the synagogue. Like, how many years did this thing torment him? And Jesus is like two sentences in, and it's gone. Right? That is the God we serve. And you have to remember that. Don't get, dist- like, be aware, but don't get distracted by what they can or can't do. Jesus has authority. Um, one guy said this, and I thought this was great advice, but he's like, you know, I wouldn't cross the street to deal with the demonic, but if one is in the way of ministry or outreach or the thing that we're trying to accomplish, like, then it's on. But otherwise, no. It's only when they get in the way. The story of Jesus casting out demon, healing people, are ultimately there to show you Jesus' authority over sickness, over disease, over the demonic. And we're going to unpack this for a long time too. You have been given a certain level of authority as well too as believers. And we probably should cover that a lot more. Or not to today. But a certain amount of authority has been given to you as well. And it's important for you to understand that and learn how to use that. The demonic activity, people, demonic in, in people's lives, right... Um, so even some of the stories that, that we shared, like what's our response and our call in all of this? Jesus loved these people, and he loved them dearly. And that is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that you don't have a relationship with God, but if you want one, you can have one, but only through Jesus Christ. And it's a free deal. Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free, Right? Christ brings freedom. Um, Ephesians 6.12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is who we wrestle with. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against 
rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Armor of God doesn't make sense until you understand what we wrestle against. Then it makes a lot of sense. Jesus loved the people dearly. He wept over them. He nurtured them. He helped them. He fed them. He died for them. And that is the good news of the gospel. Remember kind of how all of this started. Jesus shows up in his home church in the synagogue, and this whole ministry begins with him reading from Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now imagine how that verse hit the guy who was, you know, like 20 minutes ago, demon-possessed. Liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. At the end of this section, right? So we've got the story of Jesus uh, exercising authority over uh, the the demons. uh, And then um, over diseases. And he's healing them. And then at the very end, um, in verse 42. uh, When it was day, he departed. He went to a desolate place. The people were looking for him. They came to him. Uh, Mark tells the story. He's off praying kind of in the, in the early morning. Um, uh, but Jesus says, so we read this in verse 43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. So he gets up and he leaves and he travels, right? And that is, that is the good news. We have an enemy. We see glimpses of his wickedness and his evil and his hatred for humanity and the cruelty that he is willing to express and his, and his intentionality. And my theory is that we walk in the presence of angels and demons far more than we realize. Sometimes you got to deal with them. Sometimes not, but sometimes you do. But they're not the point. And they're not the focus. They're just like a speed bump in ministry, Right? The good news of the kingdom of God. That you don't have a relationship with God, but you can have one, and it's free, but it's only through Jesus Christ. That is the point, and that is our focus in in all of this, and that's the good news of this story. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that teaches. We thank you that sometimes it's uh, hard or awkward or out of our comfort zone, but Lord, we thank you that it's there Uh, for our benefit and for the purpose of advancing your kingdom and just understanding the reality um, of what we live in and what we deal with. And so uh, we do thank you for your word. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that um, that your truth would settle and resonate in their heart, Lord, and that none of this would be uh, twisted or distorted in any way in the name of Jesus, and that we would walk in freedom with your gospel as the focus of our lives. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this week's sermon. We hope you were enriched and encouraged. If you have any questions about Christ or church or would like more information, visit our website at livinghopehenderson.com or email me directly at luke at livinghopehenderson.com. We hope you have a fantastic week. Take care and God bless.